Isaiah chapter 28, as you're turning there or clicking there with your electronic device, amen, give honor to Brother Robbins and his precious wife tonight for endeavoring to do a work here in Tupelo, amen. If we've ever lived in a time where revival was needed, it is right now. We wonder at the scriptures sometimes, what was it like, Paul? What was it like, Peter? But they're setting up there in heaven getting ready to ask us, what was it like in the last time? What was it like in the last hour to praise God in the midst of adversity, in the midst of everything going on, when you knew it was getting ready to be wrapped up? What was it like? Hallelujah, hallelujah. I just wonder, uh, amen, about that erupting praise. I mean, we read in Hebrews of all the accounts of faith that were there and, and the type of faith that the men of God had. And we read about the different times when they were locked up and they were shackled and they begin to praise God. I, I remember Paul and Silas that they were for the namesake. It wasn't because they were preaching hope. It was because they were preaching the power of the name of Jesus. They were beaten. They were locked up in prison and they didn't get down in the mully grubs and start saying, oh, woe is me. Can you believe that one said this and that one did this and this one threw a rock and this one beat me with a... They just said, you know what? I counted all gain that I was worthy to be tormented. I was worthy to, that God would use me in such a manner. Amen. And I... I know that in this day that we're living in, that there's got to be a change somewhere in the people of God. There has got to be something that hungers to hear from God uh, deeper in our spirit than what we are seeing. This is not just a gathering or a session of services uh, to make us feel good. This is something to draw us closer uh, to the living God uh, who desires to inhabit you, to dwell inside of you. Well, I could preach on that for a little bit. Amen, amen. Isaiah chapter 28. I'm sure this is not an unfamiliar scripture tonight, but verse number 11 reads, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. And heaven forbid we fulfill this part of the scripture tonight that says, Yet they would not hear. Yet they would not hear. 
God has given us a time of refreshing and a time where he's wanting to speak to his church. And I pray tonight that we would hear, thus saith the Lord. Not only would we hear, would we receive it, but we would have a hunger deep inside of us to hear what God would have to say to the church in 2023. Hallelujah, hallelujah. With the help of the Lord, I'm going to attempt to preach this thought tonight, a cry for God's voice, a cry for God's voice. You may be seated in the name of Jesus. In Luke 23, verse 18, it says, And he cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man and release unto us Barabbas. You might say, Brother Wright, that's kind of a weird scripture to throw in the mix of Isaiah 28. I know, but it has a point. Uh, amen. Back when Jesus was getting ready to be uh, crucified, there was a thief, a robber, uh, 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 ungodly man for all to, to see, and Jesus. And they cried out, and people, the politicians were inciting the people, telling them, hey, cry out to release Barabbas cry out to release this evil one and they were walking through the crowd whispering into the people's ears that had seen Jesus open the blind eye who had seen Jesus read the, raise the dead young man up off the briar. Uh, people who were in the midst of him when the woman pushed in uh, with an issue of blood. And they are uh, inciting them to cry out, Give us Barabbas. Let go of Barabbas. Let him be the one that is set free. But let's crucify Jesus. And even in his among his own, there were some that were crying out, crucify him, crucify him, uh, crucify him. Uh, and in the, the, you begin to think about how the Lord was fulfilling Scripture and how his mother had to be in agony when they said, let Barabbas go. And she was sitting there saying, no, let my son go. Let, uh, let, let my son be free. He don't deserve what you're doing to him and but yet in he endured everything that he had to endure for you and for me. Pastor's already mentioned that by his stripes we were healed. It's already been settled on that day when they were crying for Barabbas and Jesus was being beaten as that cat of nine tails was stretching across his ribs and around his back, pulling his flesh off for your healing and my healing tonight. Over 2,000 years later, it still works. Over 2,000 years later, his power still works. It's not, it's not lost its ability. It's not lost uh, its flowing. It's not lost uh, the desire to do so. God's uh, stripes that he bore upon his back has not lost the desire to perform a miracle in 2023. Uh, that, that desire that Jesus had on the cross uh, was, was so strong 
song that it was for you in this hour, in this day that we're living in. But why don't we see it like we ought to see it? Why don't we see it like we used to see it? We can talk to some elders in the church that's been around for a while, and they'd begin to tell you, well, back in 1968 when I prayed through to the Holy Ghost, there was people that were being slayed out in the Spirit for hours. They'd have to come and pick them up and take them to work the next morning because they were still speaking in tongues. What happened to the tarrying in the altars from the apostolic movement? What happened to the power in the altars in the apostolic movement? I'll tell you tonight, part of that problem is we've lost the cry to hear God's voice in our personal life. We've lost the desire to hear what God would have to say. And we fail to push away the plate. And we fail to lock the door on the prayer closet until something happens. I just can't get away from it tonight to say that that cry for Barabbas in our own lives, maybe it's gotten louder than what it ought to be. Give me energy. Entertainment. Give me something funny. Give me something else to look at than the Word of God. Give me something else to put before me than what I can see in the Word of God. Put something that's going to tickle my soul but not convict my heart. A cry for Barabbas, if I ever heard one, is the electronic devices that we put in our babies' hands so they don't hear the preached word on a Thursday night in a church. Keep them entertained with the things of this world. Give them Barabbas at their hand. I'm not talking bad about electronic devices. I'm just saying, hey, I don't care if your kids got an attention deficit or not. Let them hear the preached word of God. Tell them to behave. Tell them to sit still. Quit feeding every need and every want and every whim that they have in a church service. Don't let them have a pile of food alongside them. That used to be a sacred thing in the house of God. What happened for a cry for the move of the Holy Ghost uh, like we've never had before? Uh, what happened for a cry in our spirits that says, I desire to see the miraculous uh, more now than ever before? Uh, we can say it with our lips, uh, but our heart goes to our electronic device uh, as soon as... Well, maybe before the altar calls ended. Not as soon as it's ended. I almost messed up. Maybe before the altar calls ended, we got to check and see who's liked what and who's tagged me and who's here with this and what did so-and-so have to say. Oh, that was funny. What kind of reel can I put before my eyes to take, insert, to take that, that, that conviction that I've been feeling during the preaching away? I don't want to feel 
feel that conviction when the altar calls coming to an end. I want to know what my friends are doing, where they're going to eat. I want, come on, what happened for a cry, for a move of God so strong that our young people can experience the things we talk about of old. I remember alcoholics coming into the church house and being so desperate to be free from alcoholism that they would stay all night. My mama was one of them. I was in the third grade, I believe it was, and she went to a apostolic revival one night. And that night, my dad was still out drinking. And... He got home before her. He sat up and he waited and he waited and he waited. And about 1 o'clock in the morning, a car pulls up. They walk her up to the door. They open up the door. They set her in the chair because she was drunk in the Holy Ghost, delivered from nicotine and alcohol. What happened to a move or a cry for God to show up in a revival like that? I'm not trying to be mean-spirited tonight at all. I hope you can feel the love of God reaching for someone tonight. But never before since this day until Scripture, from Scripture until this day, has there been such a cry in our world and in our churches for Barabbas like what we are seeing right now. Such rebellion rising up, sedition against government or people in, in position constitutional rights uh, being weighed away, freedom of speech being taken away from public personalities, freedom to worship Jesus uh, in the open, uh, rapidly being taken away in this country. Uh, Christians uh, don't hate certain alphabetic groups. Uh, However, the groups hate Christians uh, because they don't know how to love, uh, only live in lust and hate. Uh, Can I tell you tonight. Can I just be plain with you? The spirit of lust knows no bounds. If you entertain it for a moment, it'll take you further and deeper than you ever thought you would go. The spirit of lust is trying to destroy men and women alike with pornography at every countertop, pornography with every ad that flashes up on your phone or your iPad. The He's trying to incite lust into men and women and young children like never before. Such a disconnect toward authority like we've never seen before. People standing up against and creating chaos with words, writings, or posting on social media, creating hopelessness and fear, such an outpouring or a spewing against worship and gathering to worship. People are crying for Barabbas, calling for evil to be released. And never, never before in my time have I seen anything like 
Sodom and Gomorrah than what I see right now. Never before in my lifetime or yours has there been a need to hear God's voice speaking to his people than there is right now. We have got to change something. We have got to do something in order to hear God's voice in this hour to make sure we're doing all we can do for his kingdom. I'm not saying go out and quit your jobs and quit paying tithe and all that. So that's not what I'm saying. But I'm, I might be saying maybe you've made that too much than what it ought to be. Maybe you've made getting ahead more important than doing something for the kingdom to come instead of the kingdom we're living in now. Can I tell someone in here tonight, I feel this very strongly, the devil knows how to give you an opportunity to present you an opportunity that might look better financially but move you out of a place to be available for the kingdom of God. The enemy knows how to advance your finances in such a way that will cripple you spiritually from being in the house of God and seeking him, his kingdom with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added unto you. Can I tell you tonight that if you are truly seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, righteousness, these things are going to change. The things you think you have need of are going to change when you begin to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You're going to start finding out that the things you thought you needed aren't quite as important. Yeah, I'll just go ahead and tell you, sure, there's times I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. And if there's a minister in here that says they know what they're doing 100% of the time, then I'll tell you, you're not living at a level of faith that you ought to be because God requires us to just follow after him and let him show us line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. There's sometimes God's not going to show us the big picture. He's just going to ask for us to trust in him and lean not to our own understanding, acknowledge him that he's in control in all his ways, surrender His our will for his will in his life so that we can be more effective for the kingdom of God. Young people, I know this might sound a little strange tonight to you, but I'm trying to get something stirred up deep in your soul. This is more than just a series of services. There are lives that are at stake that are in this house tonight. There are lives in here that have been meddling with things they ought not meddle with on the Internet. They've been meddling with things that they they ought not be doing, and I want you to know there's a plea coming out from heaven tonight saying, would you turn back toward me? Would you cry out for me? Would you have a desire to hear my voice birthed in your spirit tonight? Would you allow me to show you my power and my strength?
Come on, I didn't come with just a pretty message tonight. I come to stir somebody up. God wants to do something greater than you've ever seen in your life. But will you cry out to him? It's time to quit swiping God like a credit card and start putting our faith into motion. Come on, if we're going to have stammering lips and a new tongue to hear from God, we've got to place ourselves in a place where our tongue is totally submitted to the Spirit. Come on, we're not going to be trying to pray something pretty so my neighbor thinks I got it all together when it comes to praying. I'm just going to pray, oh, God, show me what to pray, God, so I can have that move in my spirit. Show me, God, what I need to say so I can have something so real. It'll change my life. You're sitting next to someone tonight that secretly they've been praying, God, show me something so real that it will change my life. You've got to get hungry for God so you can hear his voice that when your neighbor's so hungry and desperate to hear from God, you'll know it. want to hear your voice. God, I want to cry out to hear you. I want stammering lips. God, to sweep through this congregation and a new tongue that come upon every soul in this house. God, if you're the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Elijah, the God of Elisha, the God of fire that answers by fire, send down the fire in this place tonight and shake us, oh God, and wake us up in our spirit to cry out for you. I know I may not always have it together. I may not always know exactly what I'm doing. But I do know that when I get to praying and I begin speaking things in prayer, I realize that the Word of God, that I have power in my tongue. When I begin to speak the Word of God in my life, I realize that sometimes God maketh me to lay down so he can speak to me. I don't know if you've ever been in that place before where God laid you down just so he can speak to you. But I remember a few times over the last few years that God laid me down. And Psalms 23 came to my mind. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. And he restoreth. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Come on, there's a reason why he restores my soul. It's to lead me into his righteousness for his name's sake. That his name's going to get the glory. His name's going to get all the praise. Why? Because he restored my soul.
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's not yea, though I sit on a stump and cry in the shadow of my fears. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know why? I'm not going to fear no evil because it says it's a shadow. And a shadow is an imitation. Satan's been trying to imitate the voice of God and the word of God since the very beginning of time. Do you understand tonight that I want to know the voice of God? I want to hear him speak to me. I know there's a lot of people, a lot of prayer warriors in here, and you know for a shadow, without a shadow of doubt that God hears your voice. But I want him to know my voice. I don't want to just hear his voice. I want him to know my voice. That in that instant when I'm in trouble, I can say Jesus. And he says, that's my boy. What's he have need of? That's my son. What's he in trouble with? Is he going to let me be his provider? I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. And thou anointed my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely, surely, God, if I allow you to prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, and you have anointed me, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If I'm going to have the surely of his goodness and his mercy, I'm going to have to have the follow through to be in the house of the Lord all the rest of my life. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Why? Because when I come into the house of the Lord, I got all things common with you. Side note, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. When you begin to look into that reason why David was so happy, and that they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Because when he's outside the house, he's king. When he's outside on the battleground, he's captain. But when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord, he's equal with everybody in there. And he can begin to talk as a brother would talk to a brother. And now he's got some encouragement. There ain't nothing wrong with coming into the house of the Lord where all things are equal at the cross. When we all got to come by the cross, we all have to go by the cross. We all have to get down at the cross. And it's all equal. There ain't one higher than me. There ain't one lower than me. We're all plain. We're all together. That's why I'm glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord, because there ain't nobody there that has the ability to judge me, because I am flesh and blood just like them, but I got a God that lives inside of me. There ain't nothing wrong with being in the house of the Lord. 
Matter of fact, in his presence is where I want to be. If I'm going to be anywhere, I want to be in the presence of the Lord. If I'm going to be anywhere that I know without a shadow of a doubt that I can find his presence, it's going to be in the house of the Lord. You want to know why people have so many troubles? It's because they don't know how to get into the house of the Lord when it's most important to get into the house of the Lord, and they can never hear his voice. That's why I'm trying to stir someone up to get a cry for the voice of God tonight that's louder than the cry of Barabbas in this world. The cry for Barabbas, the cry for evil in this world is so loud. You can't even drive down the highway without hearing the cry for evil coming across the wheels of your car. I'm telling you that there is evil all about and all around. In this world we're in right now, the most sense that I can make out of anything is I have got to be in the house of the Lord. If you're watching online and you're not in the house of the Lord, I pray they cut this thing off and make you miss all the miracles that are getting ready to happen. Maybe you'll just get a prayer. Oh, did the rapture take place? And you have to find yourself looking for the house of the Lord. Imagine that if you couldn't find church online. Well, I'm sure you will. some sort. Well, it's going to be a church that's serving a dead God. Yeah, I don't know why I got off on that. Let me put my glasses back on and try to preach. And surely the goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When there is a cry for God's voice, he speaks and he reminds me. When I cry out to hear his voice, he speaks and he reminds me that I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I understand that it's not by my flesh or by my might or by my strength that I have these abilities, but it is by how I use my breath that makes all the difference in the world. It is how I use my tongue to articulate words that makes all the difference in the world for I have realized for though we walk in the flesh we do not war after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds I come into this house tonight with a mindset to pull down some strongholds that have been hindering the cry for God's voice that come out for such a time that there has got to be some Something that stirs within you and the one next to you tonight that you're willing to cry out until you hear God's voice shaking everything around you. And that's when every high thing must come down. And we will begin casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 
I want my thoughts to be in the obedience of God's word and what he would have me to do. The only way I'm ever going to hear God's voice is when I cry out to him and I cast down imaginations. I break through strongholds. I enter into spiritual warfare. You all may not want to hear this part of the message, so I'm just giving you a forewarning. You cannot cast down imaginations without the whole armor of God upon you. You cannot cast down imaginations and you cannot break through strongholds. The the snares that the enemy has set upon your mind as long as you are trying to worship God with unrepentant worship. Can I just talk about this for a few minutes? I've been in too many apostolic churches, Brother Robbins, where I see a lot of unrepentant worship going on. What are you trying to say? I remember David. He tried to number himself among all the kingdoms. And he told the man of God, go out and get all the number of the men that are underneath me in my kingdom. And the man of God said, no, I won't do it for it is a sin. And David, he said, you do it or I'll kill you. So the man of God went out and he numbered everybody but the priest. And then all of a sudden, judgment falls on David. And God gives him three options. The option David chose was the option of, of God's judgment because he knew God was merciful. And the death angel said, okay, and he begins to walk and he begins to slay 70,000 men. The death angel's walking behind David and his men. And he's got his sword out and he's slaying men men and troops left and right going through one regiment after another and then they come over the ridge and Ornan and his brother or his sons see the death angel slaying the men in all the land and they begin to tremble and they said what are we going to do and David comes up and he says I have got to, to have a place to worship God and we think Ornan's such a great person, but he was a Jebusite. You know what a Jebusite stands for? Compromiser. They were businessmen. And in business, they knew how to compromise to make everybody unhappy. They say the only good deals were when everybody walks away losing something. Ornan was a businessman, and he was trying to get David to compromise. He wasn't trying to be good. He wasn't trying to to do something so holy and mighty. He was trying to get David to compromise to save himself because he had made an agreement with hell and with lies. And he began to tell David, "Hey, I'll give you this land." And David said, "Oh no, I ain't gonna. I'm 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 not gonna negotiate with you. I will pay the full price." 
price. I will do what is necessary. You're saying, what does this have to do with unrepentant worship? And David took and he paid for that fleshy, that threshing floor. And he paid every price that needed to be paid. That death angel was still standing there with his sword drawn. White David paid for the land. And while David paid for the oxen, and while he paid for the wood to offer up, and while he cleaned off the threshing floor and began to build the altar, the death angel was still standing there, read it, with his sword drawn, ready to slay them all. David built an altar, and on that altar, he began to worship he began to uh, put forth uh, sacrifices on that altar, uh, sacrifices uh, of repentance. Uh, and the death angel stood, uh, still stood. He began to put forth sacrifices for everything that he had done wrong. And he put on the doves and he put on the bullocks and he put on all these things. But until David began to praise God on that threshing floor, that death angel stood there the whole time because there was not going to be one ounce of unrepented worship take place in order for the turning around of God's favor uh, to come back upon David. Uh, and David was a man after God's own heart. Uh, but that angel of the Lord was sent there to destroy uh, unless David repented. Uh, this threshing floor up here uh, is no different. Uh, when we walk onto that threshing floor called the pulpit uh, uh, and we are unrepentant uh, in our worship and we're trying to lead uh, into worship into the presence of God with unrepented sin in our hearts. We are in a dangerous, dangerous place where the death angel saying, hey, I may not kill them physically, but I'll take their spirit away. I'll kill them spiritually. We may not see the death angel come like Sapphire and Ananias did when they lied to the Holy Ghost. But we will see people spiritually die because they entered into a place of worship and they were not repentant of their sins before they begin to worship God. I'm trying to tell you tonight, in order to hear God's voice, we've got to repent before we can enter into a place of worship. Don't you ever think that just because you get a mic put in your hand, you're above repentance. Just because you have a talent that you can play, an, an instrument that you're above repentance. I'm just going to preach every one of you musicians and singers right straight to hell tonight and hopefully bring you back. I'm telling you, if you let one little crack of darkness in and you don't repent before you get to that altar, you are in jeopardy. That's why there's this thing called pre service prayer because the ones that are going to lead us into the atmosphere of the miraculous have got to have a pure heart. They've got to have a mind made up that they are going to help usher us into. It's not that the presence of God is not here. It's that we need the help to be ushered into that presence. 
And if there's unrepented worship taking place on the platform, then heaven forbid you unrepented worship leaders are denying somebody of their miracle. You have unrepentance, and you're trying to lead people. Oh, you're in a dangerous spot. Because now not only are you in jeopardy of your own soul, you could be stealing somebody from getting, robbing them of their miracle that they're in need of tonight. Oh, come on, there's got to be a cry that rises up. It says, I want to hear God's voice, and I want to see his power work in a greater way than ever before. There's got to be a cry within us that says, Oh, God, forgive me of my sins. Oh, God. Forgive me of my iniquities. Whatever happened to the O of our prayers? Oh, God, shake this place. Oh, God. Oh, God, stir deep in our hearts. Give us something, God, that's going to change our life. I didn't come with a comfortable message tonight. I, I understand. I, I, I'm just going to pour my heart, and I'm going to keep on preaching for a little bit. Uh, can you bear with me just a few more minutes? I want to cast down some imaginations tonight. Everything that you've imagined against someone or their abilities or their giftings can cause pride to rise up. And pride is an unrepentant sin. It's a high thing that needs to be cast down in the has got to be cast down. It's a high thing. Strife has got to be cast down. It's a high thing. Jealousy's got to be cast down. It's a high thing. Bitterness has got to be cast down. It's a high thing. Past wounds and past hurts have got to be cast down. Thoughts of making new wounds to yourself or to someone else has got to be cast down. It's a high thing. And every high thing has got to come down. If bitterness is set in because of things didn't go not going your way, and you have failed to repent over them. And murmur has become your comfort regarding your past experiences. Let me tell you, you are lost in going to a devil's hell. I don't care how much you speak in tongues. If you don't allow God to come in and heal this emotional part and spiritual part of your life, you are lost in going to a devil's hell. I don't care how well you dress and how well you speak about the things of God. 
if you have unrepented emotions of hurt and wounds and bitterness and pride all built up in you. You are lost in going to a devil's hell. I'm not trying to just scare somebody tonight. I'm trying to stir it up in you. Hey, I don't want to go to hell. It's a, Scripture says, a place to shun. You know, one thing I've come to realize is that one of the reasons why we can't hear God's voice is because of this not preaching on hell. Hell's not as hot as it used to be. We've gotten away with too many sins in the past and not seen the judgment of God come down so hell's not as nearly as hot as it used to be but young person let me tell you today old person if you're old like me hell is a place to shun it's a place to fear Come on, we put our fears in so many things in this world. We put our fear in, in, in anxiety. We put our fear in failure. We put our fear in the economy. We put our fear in all. Why don't we put our fear in, in God? I, I think that maybe the church of the living God needs a revival of fear of the Lord. What I'm preaching to you tonight, a need of an emotional and a spiritual healing. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm not talking to you something sideways out of my mouth. I'm talking to you about the Word of God that says you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When something's renewed, it's made better than what it used to be. I think stronger in the Word of God than I used to because I've had this transformation and this renewing in my mind that he may prove what is that good and acceptable acceptable and perfect will of God. If I'm going to hear God's voice, I've got to have the ability to tap in and let him hear my cry unto him. Hear my cry, O Lord. Hear my plea, O Lord. Hear the O's in my prayer, O God. Oh God, I need to hear your voice. When we get this back into perspective, it's nothing for migraines to be healed. It's nothing for backs and necks to be healed. When we get this thing put back into perspective, it's not a big thing for God to heal cancer. we put this thing back into perspective and we let God begin to hear our cries unto him oh God we're going to depend upon you we're going to depend upon you being my provider not what my hands do God because you said if I put my mind upon you that you will make everything good come of my that I put my hand to I didn't may not have quoted that exactly right but you get the point 
we put our hand to it, we put everything behind it that we can, God's going to bless it. We put this thing back into perspective and our prayers being right before God. And we call for a prayer line. I remember preaching in a church in this state, somewhere north, southeast, or west of here. And it was like preaching through mud. I'd been to that church. I'd preached there several times. And that night, it was, it, the things were happening. Somebody had gotten the Holy Ghost. and But the altar, nobody was coming up to the altar. So I just kind of turned the mic back to the pastor. And the pastor gets up and he says, Hey, you came in here with a migraine tonight. God's going to heal you if you come up lady stood up and she came up and said sorry pastor it's me we prayed for her and God healed her migraines and from my knowledge she's not had another one since <laughs> pastor said hey you've come in here and you've asked me for season after season to pray for your back and it hasn't been healed and this man's preached faith to you tonight I want you to stand up and come down here. We're going to pray. And God healed backs that night. God healed necks that night. All, all because people were putting things back into perspective. They were letting their faith begin to grow. They were letting their faith begin to be challenged. I'm trying to challenge your faith tonight. I've got faith that if a man don't have a hand, they can stretch forth and their hand come. I'm just trying to encourage you that, hey, you might need your faith challenged just a little bit. You've been walking around spiritually bound for too long. And it's time to, you know, I, I'm reminded of the scripture where Jesus walks in and there's this man that's been in the synagogue time after time after time, but he's got a crippled hand. And Jesus said, hey, stand up. And the man stood up. And Jesus said, stretch forth thy hand. And that man had to make a decision right then and there. Is this the time for my healing? Or is this just another false hope? Am I going to trust in this man that says he is the Messiah? Or am I not? Am I going to trust in the word of God or am I not? By his stripes ye have been healed or not. Now that hadn't happened yet. I'm just using that for you and your sake. Are you going to have enough faith to stretch forth and make that decision when God calls you up for your miracle or for your breakthrough to stretch forth and let him do it? That night, that I was just talking about, I remember the Lord impressed upon me, and me and Pastor were standing down here, and there was a circle of people around us, and and I leaned over to the Pastor, and I said, Pastor, I said, I just felt God impressed me that he's going to heal somebody's right eye that 
is facing surgery. I said, I don't know about this need. And he says, Brother Wright, speak it just like that. So I said, there's someone in here, you're facing surgery with your right eye, and God's going to heal. Pastor's wife jumped in the middle of that circle and said, it's me, it's me, it's me. Now, if you knew who this was, she's just a little bitty thing. But her voice got real loud saying, it's me, it's me. We put our hand over her right eye, and we begin to pray, Brother Robbins. And I, I, just, I, I, I just, we went to their house. We ate after service, and we went on our way. Tuesday night, sitting in a restaurant, eating Japanese with some friends, and I get this call. Brother Robbins, did you hear what happened? I thought I was in trouble. By the tone of his voice, I said, no, sir, what happened? Well, my wife's had this tumor on her right eye for the last eight years. And she's been, having, she's been going to the same doctor time after time after time. He's been watching it, and they've been trying to put it off. But now she was facing surgery, and we went in to get her pre-op done today. And when he opened up that thing, that lens, and he began to look through the lenses of her eyes, he said, what happened to your wife? And she sat there and said, Jesus healed me in a prayer line. The doctor said, I know it had to be so because I've been watching this tumor for eight years, and I know it was only going to come out by a miracle or by surgical removal. If God can do that in this city, not too far from here, he can do whatever you have need of tonight in this house if you will allow him to hear your cry. Autism, not too big for God. Stage four cancer, not too big for God. Depression problems, not too big for God. Let me go back to this autism thing. I was in revival in Washington. I don't care. Tell you, I don't mind telling you what state. In Washington. And there was this young man, 18 years old. He had sat in service off to my left every night and sat next to his mom or his dad. His dad was a minister. He was in the military. And uh, I didn't even realize the young man was there the first few nights because he sat there with a hoodie over him. He never talked to nobody. He sat in, his, in that seat with the hoodie over his head and his head down the entire service. And then about 15 minutes after service, he would go find his mom and dad and tug on their shirt and their coattails saying it's time to go. And that night I preached that God could heal anxiety. There was such a, a heaviness of anxiety in that area at the time. And I was preaching that there's no anxiety greater than the name of Jesus. There's no anxiety that God does not want to heal and deliver you from. It's not too hard of a thing for God to take your anxiety. You know, all the, all the right things to say. And we begin to pray. And that young man, me and Pastor, were standing over here. Now, I was standing on the platform. He was standing on the floor, and he was still taller than me. It was a short platform. That young man come up to him, looked him in the eye, didn't have his hoodie on. Well, first of all, he come down and he prayed at the altar, and he had his hoodie on. I walked by, and I put my hand down. I did a good old Pentecostal preacher 
prayer. God touch him. You see his heart tonight. And I walked on. He gets up and he comes to the pastor and said, Pastor, looked him square in the eye. Pastor, God healed me of anxiety tonight. And the smile came on his face. And he said, but I don't believe God is done. I think he has more for me. Pastors. First time in five years that young man spoke to anybody in the church. And he spoke to the pastor as clear as I'm speaking right now. The next night, I didn't preach long. Unfortunately for you, that's not tonight. And I threw down a prayer rope. And I was having a prayer line, old-fashioned Pentecostal prayer line, throw that rope down, praying, people coming across that line. I tell people, when you're on that side of the line, you have your infirmity. When you cross over here, you're praising God because it's gone. Whether it is or not, you're going to praise God for it being gone because God's not a debtor to nobody. And you might have not praised him enough on that side. But when you cross over, you're telling God, I've got faith and I'm praising you for it now. So people were crossing over that line. They're filling up the altars. They're praying. They're worshiping. God filled a few with the Holy Ghost. And I'm watching this young man as I'm praying for people. And that line seemed to get longer and longer. And I just keep watching this man. He's back there. Looking around, waiting his turn. Take a step forward. He come up. My Lord, I've prayed everything under the sun that I could even think to pray for people on this prayer line tonight. I have no idea what to pray for him. And the Lord just simply softly said, completion. Completion. I wish my wife was here. She has got to get nominated the best photographer in the world because she caught this on film. I'm praying for people right here. And he comes up, and I put my hand on his head, and I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, complete everything you started out to do last night in him. And he come around me, and he jumped straight up in the air, feet above the chairs, and in midair, his tongue came out, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. My wife got a picture of his feet right about here and his tongue out going like this. I don't know how she did it. She didn't even know she had it. But she's got it on her iPad. When she comes back, I'll let her tell you to show it to you. But God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And I was like, wow, midair miracle. That was the second one of the year. Earlier that year, I was praying for a church, and I, long story short, this lady was short, and she had two collapsed knees, and they were picking her up, and they picked her up to the platform to play her musical instrument, they picked her up, carried her down, they set her in a chair, well, when I spoke these words, she jumped straight up out of that chair. But that was just so everybody could see God go pop and pop both her knees out. And she took off running around the church. 
midair miracles are still for the church today. Let me get back to the boy with autism that God healed his anxiety. He takes off running around the church. Now, there was this, this man back in the back. They brought him in on a bus, and he had a thing around him, and, and he walked like this. He had been in an accident when he was 19 years old. His dad was a United Pentecostal Church pastor in Washington, and he got in a motorcycle accident when he had backslid and had brain damage in his brain, and he couldn't hardly carry on a conversation. I'd talked to him many, many nights before, after service. I'd talked to him, and he, he couldn't walk. He was in, a, in that wheelchair. They, he'd try to get up and stumble around, and people would go and try to get a hold of him. Well, that young boy goes up and said, God healed me of anxiety, and he can heal you too. And he laid his hands on him, and that man shot up out of the wheelchair. He took off running foul on that young man around the church. Pastor's trying to catch him by his little belt, and the man was out running. Pastor, Pastor had just passed his uh, army. Yeah, he, he's one of those uh, part-timers. And he had just had to go do his little training that weekend. And, it, and he couldn't keep up with this guy because the guy was running laps around the church. The young man comes over to this, about the third or fourth row, young people sitting there, and there's this young girl sitting there. She was 15 years old. And he said, God filled me with the Holy Ghost. He can do the same for you. Laid his hands on her head. God filled her with the Holy Ghost. He went down to her sister. God, four people in that row, he laid his hands on. They all received the baptism of the Holy Ghost just like that. He went over to this sister in the church. And I'm standing there asking, Pastor, what do you got me here for when you got this evangelist? And he's, he goes over to this lady, and this lady had an autoimmune disease. And he laid his hands on her and said, God's going to heal you, sis. And he called her by name. He laid his hands on her, and she felt something hit her in her seat. She jumped up. She started running around with the rest of them. I can, I'm just trying to tell you that when we begin to let God hear our voice and hear our cry, our faith can begin to rise to a new level. Because when we start talking about him, we're talking about the one who takes the impossible situation and brings forth a possibility. I don't know where you're at tonight in your walk with God, but I've got a God in here that's wanting to do some miracles in somebody's life. Musicians, if you want to come, it means absolutely nothing, by the way. Y'all are in trouble. My wife ain't here to rein me in and say. In Isaiah 28 and 11, it said, For stammering lips and another tongue will I speak to this people. Can I speak to you tonight with faith-filled words? It says there's going to be stammering lips and another tongue come forth in somebody. Okay, there's going to be stammering lips and another tongue come forth in somebody. Nobody told me I could, so I just went ahead and did it. I'm going to speak it by faith. 
You see, that that word speak in the Hebrew is a means a tearing tongue. There has got to be a tearing tongue of stammering lips before God can speak to his people. There's got to be something in our hearts to speak. Speak. There has to be somebody to hear. Someone must speak in order for another to hear. Speak in one definition is an answering with a crying out or to give name to something, declare or pronounce promises. There has got to be a cry for Jesus in this church louder than the cry for Barabbas in this world. In this service tonight, if I could do anything besides build a little bit of faith, that you have the ability to let God hear your cry. But you've got to take your articulated words and cry out to God. When God's word is conceived in your heart, then formed by your tongue, spoken out of your mouth that becomes a spiritual force uh, releasing the ability of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That spirit world, the spirit world is controlled by the Word of God. The natural world is controlled by man's spoken word. Then that means men and women, you must be speaking God's word in order to control both worlds in your life. Prayer is your legal right to use faith-filled words to bring God on the scene. It is the word abiding in me that causes faith to be present in my words. Through faith, we understand that worlds were framed by the word of God. The universe still has to obey his word. The intellect cannot understand it. The philosophers can't stand it. The scientists try to explain it away. But God delegated the power of speaking his word in this world. We've got to take faith-filled words and begin to speak. Now, I used the scripture the other night. In Matthew 21 and 21, where Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith, and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. In this hour right now, if you'll stand with me. If we could let God hear our cry tonight. What would happen? Whose life? 
could be changed tonight. The enemy has bombarded you with anxieties and fears, trying to cripple you from speaking God's word for far too long. The darkness that's been trying to swallow you up is not going to win. I speak to, I'm not trying to embarrass you, sis. I speak to the darkness that's been trying to take your breath away. Let her alone in the name of Jesus. Fear of infirmity. I command you to leave her mind. Darkness and anxiety, leave her alone. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, be exalted. <laughs> There's been an all-out attack trying to destroy ministers' wives. I come against that spirit in the name of Jesus. You shall not swallow them up. You shall not take their breath away. In the name of Jesus. <laughs>